So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you can either click to or turn to uh, Luke chapter uh, 12, verses 13 through 21 is what we're going to look at. If you don't, no worries. The, the verses are going to come up on the screen as, as, as I read those in a few minutes. And so we've been in this series. We've been walking through the book of Luke. We've been looking at the gospel of Luke. And, and we've been looking at how Jesus uh, expressed love in action. Uh, how Jesus took love and, and made it a verb, in other words, and then expressed love in action. And so we've been going story by story, almost verse by verse. But we've been going story by story looking at this. And so this weekend, I titled the message, My Possessions. Uh, but it's really not your possessions. It's really, it's really your heart. I, I wanted to say my heart, but I'd already used that sermon title already. And so that was like out. So this is like the best thing. But listen, the, the closest thing. And so we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about your possessions. But truly, it's not talking about money. Truly, it's talking about your heart. And so we're going to understand that. The greed versus generosity. And then what happens in your life in this. And so we pick up the story. And so Jesus is walking through a town, and all of a sudden, these two brothers, they're at odds. I mean, these two brothers, they got this relational conflict going on. Going on. And so Jesus, so one guy tattletales on his brother, screams out to Jesus and asks him to do something. And then as a result of that, it turns this teaching to where Jesus begins teaching about this issue about view of, of, of greed versus generosity view of possessions, view of resources, and all those other things. And so that's what's happening. So we're just going to walk through this story together. Uh, this is something that, listen, this is something that I'm, I'm deeply passionate about because the, this text, years back, way before I was ever a pastor, way before I was in ministry, this text changed everything for me. It changed my life. Uh, and so when I talk about this issue of giving, listen, I talk to you from a, from a position of, of what it did in my life, just a testimony of what it did in my life. So let's just walk through it together and let's see what we can glean out of this. So Luke chapter 12, verses 13 uh, and following. And, and, and then, so let's just start. So Jesus is walking through. Some in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So these brothers are having an issue. And you know what their issue is, right? Their issue is money. I mean, we all know, right? Money causes problems in life. I mean, money, it, it just does. People's view of money, uh, some see money as their self-worth, their finding identity, their security in it, their value in it. And so people know, I mean, you look at this issue of money, and so the issue that they're having, they're having conflict over this issue of money. Uh, of dividing the inheritance, their dad's inheritance, money that they didn't earn, money that they didn't make. It was just a blessing. There's a lot of, of corollaries in there for God blessing us. And so now they have conflict. But he said to him, so Jesus turns everything just a little bit. And he says to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, and so all of a sudden Jesus rattles out and gives like three imperatives, three, three, three commands. And I mean, these are really strong. And he says, and so he says, take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness. Now, we would say greed. ESV translated it out, covetousness. And so he'd say, be on, on guard of all kinds, plural, it's important, of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So Jesus warns, says, take care, be on guard, be aggressive, be aware that this can affect all of us. Not, not, nobody's immune from this. 
against all greed. In other words, Jesus is trying to help them and us understand there's different kinds of greed. Jesus is trying to help them understand your view of money, your view of resources, your view of possessions, or this issue of greed will affect everything in your life. It can affect your marriage. It can affect your relationships. It can affect your business. It can affect your decisions. It can affect where you place your trust, where you place your security. It can affect your future plans. I mean, he goes through all of this. See, see what prompted this teaching was the issue of money. What prompted this teaching was the issue of the... They're trying to divide up an inheritance. When you look at this issue of money, money carries a lot of emotion with it. We just got to understand that. That's why in, in, in marriage or that's why in relationships, when you start talking about money, there can be a lot of emotional energy that comes with that. Even when a pastor begins just walking through this text, it can create emotion in you, Right? Because with money, you can, you can find your value, you can find your self-worth, you can find your security. And we all, everybody, not everybody has to fight against this. And so here's the crazy thing. These brothers are fighting over an inheritance, money that they did not earn. Money that was just a gift, money that was just a blessing. And they're fighting over it. When you look at like why couples get divorced, do you realize one of the number one issues is money. Just fighting over money, just constantly fighting over how will we spend money? How will we allocate money? What will we do about this? As a pastor, I've helped hundreds of people and families walk through the death of a loved one. And I've watched families, personally as a pastor, I've watched families who were rock solid for 20, 30, 40 years, and all of a sudden mom or dad passes away, and they got this inheritance, and then all of a sudden I've watched the family melt down, divide, never talk to each other again. Why? Because of an inheritance, because of money, because of finances. Here, here's the crazy thing. When you, when, you get in, when you get into this issue of greed, you know who the greedy person is? always the other person. It's never you. That's this, that's this man. This man saying, my brother's greedy, make him divide it up verily. When you get into this issue of greed, it's all, it is always, listen, it's always the other person. As a pastor, I've, I've had hundreds of people again. I've been doing ministry here in Fellowship. Fellowship of the Rockies in Pueblo for 25 years and counting. And I have had people confess all kinds of sins to me. Whether it's in my office, what's on the phone, what's an email, whatever. This is the one sin I've never had anyone confess. I've never had someone come in the office and say, you know what my problem is? I'm just greedy. And it's all about me and I'm destroying my relationships. I'm destroying my family. I'm destroying my relationship to God. I mean, it, that's my problem. See, the, the, the issue is, is when you look at this issue of greed, it's always the other person. I mean, you, have, you ever been in a, in a conflict over something? And you look at the other person, the other person is being greedy, the other person is selfish, the other person only looks at their, their wants, their desires. If they would just see things my way, it'd be great. We always see the other person. And so it's greedy. And so this is what Jesus is helping. See, the problem with greed is a lot of times we camouflage it with the language we use, and we see it as a virtue. I'm just a saver. I'm just tight. I'm a good steward. What if it's not used properly? What if they waste it? What if they don't deserve it? 
I work hard for my money, or, or, or you know what? The Scriptures never teach that we should give. That was Old Testament stuff. That was stuff many years ago. That is not for today, and so we, we're not even bound by that anymore. And many people think a greedy person is like Scrooge. Just angry, depressed, no compassion, cruel to the people around them. And all of a sudden, Jesus just steps in and he begins helping us with this issue of greed. And he talks about a specific kind of greed. And, and fortunately, fortunately for us, Jesus defines greed for us. So we don't need to run out here and ask the group Google what is greed. We don't have to look it up in Webster or anything like that. Jesus says, hey, let me help you. I'll, I'll define greed for you. And here's what he says. So he defines it. And he says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And Jesus says, you know what? Here's how you and I know when we're dealing with greed. When we believe life equals possessions. That's when we know that we're dealing with it. For this man that we're looking at, there, there's no talk of God. There's no talk of God in his future. There's no talk of future talk of God. There's no talk of dependency on God. There's no talk of honoring God. There's no talk of God blessing him in any way. It's just all about him. So three things I want to give you this, this morning uh, as we just walk through the test. And the first thing is this. Greed will crowd God out of your heart. Greed, greed has a possibility to just crowd, crowd God out of your heart. Now, here, here's the interesting thing. Jesus goes into this teaching. So he tells this story about a man, and we're going to understand the backstory. The back, listen, the backstory is just fascinating to understand about this whole story. And so I'm going to read you the text, and Jesus begins talking about this man. And you, and, and you can notice in my Bible, I just started circling the eyes and the mys. Uh, and, and you don't have to do that when I read it. There's 14 of them. Uh, and so this man, you can tell this man, it's all, it's, it's all about him. It, it, it's all about his stuff. And so verse 16, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man pr provided plentifully and he thought to himself, watch this, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I is a fascinating language right here. I will say to my soul, so you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. This man, by this language, okay, especially that last sentence, this man believed that he could acquire enough stuff that he had no longer have stress. He believed, you know what, life for me is getting to that place to where I have enough in a 401k, I have enough in investments, I have enough stored up in the barns, I have enough money stored up to where I can get to this place and I can have a pain-free life, I can have a stress-free life, I can relax, I can drink, and I can, I can be merry. I can get enough money in my account, you know what, that if I have stress, I can pay enough money to get rid of stress. If I have pain, I can pay someone to take away my pain. I can get, I can get to the place to where I can just finally get to that place. I don't have to trust God, I don't have to trust the economy, I don't have to trust, I don't have to trust anything. I can just get to that pain-free life. See, there's no mention of God. 14 times, I and my, it's all about him. And no awareness of God and giving thanks. Remember these brothers, they were getting an inheritance from a dad that money that they did not earn. 
It was complete, it was complete blessing. And this man continually refers to my barns and my crops and my goods and my life. See, this man did not understand he was a steward. This man thought he owned his possessions. He didn't understand that he's just stewarding the possessions for the kingdom of God. He didn't understand this whole picture. God will try to help him later. Jesus will try to help him later. Listen, greed can crowd God out of your heart to where life is all about you. I mean, Scripture says, Scripture says, just what Scripture says. God gave you the ability to make wealth. Without God's blessing in your life, you would not be able to make wealth. God gave you a mind. He gave you an intellect. He gave you talents. He gave you abilities. He gave you a personality. He gave you a sharp mind. He gave you a business sense. He gave you whatever. God gives us the ability. Without God, we wouldn't even have that ability. Now listen, we're going to learn a lot about this man a little bit later, but this man was a hard worker. He's a, he was a wise businessman. He was an aggressive businessman. I mean, this guy was successful in the business circles that he traveled in. And so, yes, he worked hard. Yes, he had a financial mind. Yes, he was success, successful. But God is the one that sent the rain. God is the one that sent the sun. God is the one that provided the sun. God is the one that provided the soil. God's the one that provided the seed. God's the one that provided the nitrogen for the soil. God gave him the knowledge and the ability to farm. And, and many times, instead of giving God thanks, we boast about our mind, our ability, our talents. And we forget about God. And Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell Therein. What Jesus says the most tangible way to fight greed in your heart is generosity. Just to give. Just to figure that whole deal out. The Bible says as freely as we receive, freely should we give. And we get, when we give back to God, we're breaking greed in our heart. When we give back to God, we're reminding ourselves that we worship him, we honor him, we're giving thanks to him. It's breaking this thought that life equals my possessions, that security is found in possessions. And so what Jesus said, we all have to be on guard for this temptation because we can all fall prey to it or victim to it. Be on guard means close attention and we, we can get into this, this rhythm, especially in the world that we live in, that life just equals purchasing more stuff. Life about is purchasing more stuff, acquiring more stuff, and then God comes along and says, you just, need to, you just need to give a portion. You need to give a portion, a percentage back to me. And we say, absolutely not. I mean, this man, this man spent a lot of time about how he could acquire more stuff. Many hours went into planning about his business and how he could acquire more stuff and building bigger barns. See, this man, the backstory to this, this man had figured out. He had a bumper crop. He had his greatest harvest ever of grain. And this man figured out, he says, you know what I can do? I can tear down my smaller barns. I'm going to build larger barns. And instead of putting this grain immediately on the market, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to store this grain. And I'm going to store this grain in bigger markets. And I'm going to manipulate the markets. And I'm going to drive the grain price up. I'm gonna, the grain price is going to skyrocket. And once it skyrockets, because there's a shortage in the community. So he didn't worry about the community. He didn't worry about his neighbor. He didn't worry at a cost what it was going to come to them. And he says, once this grain skyrockets, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sell it. And when I sell it, I'm going to be set for life. I don't have to worry. I, I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. 
I won't have to have stress anymore. I won't have to have any worries anymore. I mean, it's, it's all about me. See, when greed is involved, we'll spend hours figuring out how we can purchase more, get more, and have more. And then when the church has a need or when God comes along and says give, we just immediately say, absolutely not. I won't even try to think about it. I won't even try to pray about it. I won't even try to think how I can meet that need financially or emotionally or physically and missions or whatever. I mean, in other words, you, you, you look at the world that we live in, people are real creative and find what, listen, they'll, they'll, they'll be really creative, find ways they can acquire things for themselves. People will find creative ways to purchase things, you know, that they really can't afford with no money down, three years of no interest, how they can lease a car that they really can't afford, or how they can continually roll credit card debt, one credit card to the next, so they can acquire the things that they, they want. And they'll spend hours trying to figure out how they can purchase things for themselves. And then when, when God comes along and says, well, could you just give a percentage back to me? They say, absolutely not. We won't even think of, we won't even consider it. And God's like, well, wait a minute, that's never kept you from spending money on yourself. You've never said, I don't have it. You've never said you can't figure it out. And God says, you know what? I, what's happening in your heart is this issue of greed. And it does, doesn't, just doesn't affect one thing. It affects a lot of things. It affects the way that you handle relationships and people around you. Here's something I've never seen in this text before. This is just something fresh and new to me. And, and um, let, let me tell you, I'm still... I'm still writing sermons from scratch, and I'm, I'm, still, I'm still in the Word and discovering new things in Scripture. And, and here's something I've never seen before in Scripture. God teaches this, or Jesus teaches this story on, on, on money and possessions and the view of that. Then, and he rolls from that, and we'll look at this next, not today. And he rolls from that to anxiety, begins talking about anxiety. Never seen the correlation. Never seen the type. But if you, listen, if you believe that security is found in wealth, security is found in possessions, that security is found in trusting of that, and God gets crowded out of your life, then guess what? You're going to have anxiety. You're going to have worry, especially in the world in which we live. Especially in the season that we're in. And Jesus helps to understand that because when, when, when greed walks into your heart, you know what else walks in? Anxiety, worry, and fear. Here's the second thing. Greed will crowd God out of your plans. This is what happened to this man. Greed will crowd God out of your plans. This man thought that he could save enough, he could store enough, he could have enough, and God called him a fool. Now listen, that's, that's strong language. A fool in the scripture simply meant this, that you didn't trust God, uh, you didn't, either you didn't know God or you didn't trust God. That's just simply what it meant. And so all of a sudden, Jesus calls him and says, you're, you're a fool. If this is what you believe, either you don't believe in God or you don't trust God. And then watch this and listen. Jesus is going to ask a question. And Jesus, Jesus, Jesus had an ability to ask a question that was convicting at the same time. You know, unbelievable the questions Jesus would ask. Sometimes I'll take my Bible software and just search on a question mark. It's amazing the number of questions that Jesus would ask. Here's his question. Watch this. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is going to be required of you. And something money came by. And these things you have prepared. Let me ask you a question. Whose will they be? In other words, you're a steward. 
when you're gone, somebody else is going to have your resources. It's like a country and western song, gone bad, right? Somebody's going to be living in your house, driving your coat, driving your car, driving your boat, hitting your golf clubs, you know, hit, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, Jesus asks this question and says, I just need to remind you, you can't take it with you. And somebody's going to be living in your house and somebody's going to be driving your car and somebody's going to be driving your boat and whatever. Someone else is going to determine how your resources are going to be used and spent. And there's no thought, he said, there's no thought of eternal rewards. There's no thought of transferring from your kingdom to his kingdom. And, and Jesus goes on and so, says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. What he was telling this man is, he said, whether you realize it or not, I'm, I'm, in, I'm like in control of your future. And greed will crowd into your heart, and when it crowds into your heart, it will crowd, God, it'll crowd planning with God out of your life. And anxiety walks in, and God says it's foolish to arrogantly plan your future without me. In other words, this man trusted his possessions over the sovereignty of God. This man simply figured out how he could build bigger barns and store crops and higher profits, and he felt that would bring security. He didn't think about God. He didn't think about death. He didn't think about judgment. He didn't think about eternity. He just thought about the temporal. God says, tonight you're going to die. And you haven't even thought long term. You haven't even thought about what life is really about. And really and truly, this talk isn't about money. This sermon isn't about money. Money's not the issue. It's a heart issue. This is, this is teaching on the heart. Verse 34 is, in 1981, changed my life. I mean, it was this verse that rocked my world. And I, I became a giver. I became a generous person. And so verse 34 starts out with the word for. Here, here's what it says. It says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And Jesus says, Here, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to learn to reallocate some stuff. I want you to quit thinking about your kingdom only. That's where the problem comes from. I, I, because if you'll, if you'll think about your kingdom only in giving and generosity, guess what? You'll think about your own kingdom only in relationships. When you have when, in marriage or in friendships or whatever, you'll, you'll, just, you'll think about your own kingdom. It doesn't just stop here. And he says, I want you to learn to, tra to reallocate treasure from your kingdom to my kingdom, from your kingdom to the kingdom of God. And, and he says, and you want to know where your heart is? You just follow the money trail. 1981, this is what I did. I looked at my, <laughs> looked at my checking account. I looked at my bank balance. Uh, uh, my bank my bank uh, statement. I I looked at at financial allocations, and and all of a sudden it would lead you back. You want to know your, where your heart is. You want to know where your focus is. You follow the money trail. This is what he's saying. It's not it's not what you and I feel. It's just following the money trail because heart follows your money. I mean that's why when people make investments, they begin tracking those investments. Why? When people make big purchases, I mean they. I mean, it can get their emotion. And so your, your, your heart is not only an indicator 
I'm sorry, your money is not only an indicator of your heart, your money can change your heart. This is what Jesus said. And he, he's trying to help us to understand that he's interested in his heart. He's interested in our heart. And he wants to get our heart. And the way he gets our heart is through generosity and understanding that we can trust him. The third and the last thing is simply this, is generosity is how you change your heart. That's what changed my heart in 1981, is simply learning to just be a generous person. Holding the things that I have loosely is what allowed us to move from, one of the things that allowed us to move from Houston, Texas and leave everything to come and plant a church in Pueblo, Colorado 25 years ago. It's what's allowed us to make other ginormous faith moves in our, in our marriage and in our life and in our ministry because we understand, I, listen, I am just a steward of what God has blessed me with and what God has given me. I've seen, listen, I have seen this principle work in my life. I've seen it work in the lives of others. Money is just a way uh, to get your heart where God wants it to be. And, and your heart, your, your treasure, uh, where your treasure is, what he says, your heart will follow. And, and generosity has the ability to impact every area of your life, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your relationships, whether it's your parenting, whatever. I mean, what, why do you think it is? Then when you look at statistics that they tell us the number one issues that people divorce is still money. It's this constant battle, it's this constant fight over this issue of money because it brings so much emotion. What, is it any coincidence then that these two brothers are fighting over this issue of money? I mean, sometimes I ask myself, how is it that, that pictures of dead presidents on green pieces of paper can wreck marriages, can wreck families, can wreck a country, an organization, a church. Easy. It's called greed. And when greed enters our life, it affects every area of our relationship. This, see, this isn't a financial, it's a heart issue. And, and here's what I want to be careful of, because when people hear this message, I mean, all of a sudden people can push back and say, well, well so does, does that mean... That, does that mean I should never buy anything for myself? Does that mean I shouldn't buy a new fly rod, a set of golf clubs, you know, a gun, a tennis racket, um, you know, an extra home, a, a nice vacation, an RV, a camper, four-wheelers, boats? Does that mean I can't ever buy new clothes and all of that other stuff? And so let me, let me just tell you something. There is nothing wrong, and Scripture is clear about this, right? There is nothing wrong with men and women owning possessions. The danger is, is when those possessions begin to own you. That's what the scripture says. There's nothing wrong. Listen, there is nothing wrong with you going out and buying stuff and having possessions. There's nothing wrong with you owning possessions as long as you don't cross over and all of a sudden those possessions own you. And that's where you find your self-worth. That's where you find your security. That's where you find your, your value. That's, that's where you find approval. That when, when that happens, it's what, what Scripture says was dangerous. So the, so the Scripture says the one way that we fight that so our possessions don't own us is just simple percentage giving. The Old Testament talks about a tithe, talks about 10%. And so I would just tell you, just come to the place, just come to the place where you're a percentage giver. Find a percentage and say, you know what, if you're not giving, I'm going to start there. And as God blesses, I'm going to increase it. I'm going to learn to break greed in, this, in my life. I'm going to come to the place just to totally trust him uh, for my future. I mean, I could, I could, I could uh, 
I could throw up pictures and show you story after story of what, what giving has done in my life and what giving has done in other people's lives that have given testimonies. But I, I honestly, I, I don't want to move you emotionally at all. But I do want to read a letter to you. Um, this, this comes from uh, our sheriff, Kurt Taylor. Uh, we had done, a few weeks back, we had done food trucks for first responders. And uh, we served 478 meals. The reason we were able to do that, because of your giving, because of your generosity. And then food trucks, we, we had, you know, three different food trucks. We had a Hawaiian shaved ice guy here. And that's when we realized Pastor Dwayne has an addiction to Hawaiian shaved ice. I mean, if you follow him on Facebook right now, he's giving daily updates where he's finding the truck and what flavors he's eating. And so we're like worried about him right now. Uh, there's one day I thought he went home sick and he's chasing the truck. And so that's a joke. And so, uh, so after that, Kurt Taylor wrote this. Uh, this. This is what generosity does. This is what generosity does. He said, Dear Fellowship the Rockies, on behalf of the Pueblo County Sheriff's Office, I'd like to thank you for your continued generosity and support. In these unprecedented times, we all experience additional challenges during which casual words cannot express our feelings. Events like natural disasters, periods of social change, or a pandemic seems to leave us reaching for just the right words. It is extremely important that we continue to improve the collaboration between law enforcement and the citizens of Pueblo County along with our guests. I greatly appreciate you recognize the deputies and staff within this agency that are conscientious and while performing their duties. It is a credit to their character of your organization and its members. Pueblo County Sheriff's Office looks forward to serving you in the future. And again, I want to personally thank you for taking time to recognize your law enforcement agency. So many times our deputies and civilians on my staff work quietly behind the scenes never really recognized for their efforts. And by your generosity, that is no longer the case. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity. I would just encourage you just to be generous. just to understand what it means. Saturday morning with our men, uh, we did a men's breakfast in, in, in the park and we worshiped together. And, and then I just, I just talked about something that's really on my heart. And, and last night when we heard the blessing, I almost canned this sermon and just, just talked from my heart. And I, I decided, you know, I decided against that and discernment weighed in. And, and so September the 12th and 13th when we take communion together, I'm going to talk to you about what, what God has been doing in my heart. But one of the things that he's doing, and I just want to just help you understand this, is that when we went into this pandemic, and as a superpower, our country has been shaken, and there's no such thing in history of a superpower never not being shaken. And once we were shaken... I started looking in Scripture and Habakkuk and Jeremiah and Amos and, and they had pastored through times of pandemics and or not a pandemic, but they've been pastored through times when their superpower was shaken. It was like the foundations of their world came out from under them. Fact is, in Jeremiah's day, 
Jeremiah got so upset because there were people like, like, like saying we have dreams and we got these dreams and we have these visions. And, and, and it's like in our day when people are posting this stuff on Facebook, right? They read a chapter in Revelation and they read something in Daniel. They read something in Ezekiel. They read something in the Washington Post. And all of a sudden they're posted on Facebook that, that the world is coming to an end and people are going to fall away and like lose their salvation and all this other stuff. Don't listen to them. In Jeremiah's day, same thing's happening. And people were claiming dreams and quoting no scripture and not talking about scripture. And they were using fear and they were using panic to control people. And Jeremiah's mad. And Jeremiah tells God and God says, I never gave him those dreams. I never gave him those words. He's Jeremiah, you, you faithfully preach God's word. And so that's what we're going to do here at Fellowship of the Rockies. We're going to faithfully preach God's word through this. And Isaiah's time. Their superpower was rocked. King Uzziah was a king, and he was just as effective as King David, but King David gets all the press. And King Uzziah had served for 52 years. He had subdued his enemies. He had brought peace and prosperity to the country. I mean, it was great times. He was a great king, very successful. And then all of a sudden, King Uzziah dies, and when he dies, the Assyrians and the Babylonians are bearing down on the people, and their superpower is like rock. The foundations have come out from under them. And all of a sudden, there's this faithful pastor. His name's Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah just stands up and says, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. He wasn't, he wasn't stressed. He didn't have anxiety. He wasn't pacing back and forth wondering, what are we going to do? I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Whether you realize it or not, even in a world where we have been shaken, God is on the throne. And he's seated on the throne. And he is not pacing back and forth, stressed and anxiety and worry. He is seated on the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. And so that means that he's always with you. And whether you realize or not, his glory fills your home. It fills your business. It fills your workplace. It fills your marriage. It fills your relationships. It fills your school. It fills your community. And as a result of that, we can trust him. And we can practice generosity. And we can give because our security is not in ourselves. It's not in our possessions. It is in him. And when we do that, it removes stress and it removes worry and it removes anxiety. Why? Because he controls our future. And I would just encourage you, if you don't already, practice generosity in your life and just see what he will do. Will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just ask you, what is God saying to your result of this message? More importantly, what is your next step? Every one of us has a next step. And listen, I'm telling you, this is not a sermon on money. This is a sermon on the heart. And every time I preach on this subject, people meet Christ because it's a heart issue. So whether you're in person or watching online, 
If you don't know him, would you just accept him today? Ask him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, give you the gift of eternal life, and just start walking with him. If you know him, trust him. Trust him with your life. Trust him with your future. Regardless of what things look like. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Thank you for your blessing, Father. May we see you. May we see you seated on the throne, high and lifted up. May we see you sovereign and in charge. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the whole earth is filled with his glory and your glory. And we thank you for that. And may we trust in that. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand with me just for our benediction? If you've made a decision of any kind, we'd love to know about that. There's a couple of ways to respond. One is there's a QR code on the, on the back of the seat in front of you. You can scan that. And when you scan that, guess what's going to come up? Our Connect card. You can fill out that Connect card. Tell us if you've met Christ. You have a prayer request. You'd like to be, get baptized. We're going to start scheduling baptisms. And so you can do that in person. We got, we got another way. You can go out to a box and there's a card. You can fill that out. If you're watching online and you're watching it live, uh, our own demand, you can pick select, a, a select Connect card and you can fill that out and that information will get to us. If you're watching the service live right now, then you can click request prayer and then a prayer partner will meet you in a virtual room and they will pray for you. We'd love to do anything we could to help you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May you know that he is for you. This week, may you know the peace of Christ. And may you dwell in him. God bless you. May you have a great week.